Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Another recap for our week last week, we hosted uh, Dr. Leslie Cook. We had the pleasure of talking all things neurodevelopmental, but we kind of honed in on ADHD in particularly and, and kiddos and talking about some misconceptions and how that can present or manifest for people of color um, long-term throughout their life. So make sure if you missed that to go back and catch that one. You definitely don't want to miss it. This week, we have another installment of our Man, excuse me, man Down Mental Health, um, Men's Mental Health series. So we have Tommy back with us, and then he brought along with him a, a new guest, Lynn Bell. Lewis. So welcome, Lynn Bow. We're very happy to have you with us. Hi, it's nice to be with you. Yes, I'm so glad that we're back in this discussion. It always, it feels, it's like awesome when we have the three of us, but then we add a whole nother person and it's like more community. And I just love being back in these conversations. And Limbell, it's good to see you on the internet. <laughs> Obviously, I see you in other ways, but it's good to see you mm -hmm. here today. Um, so I'm just going to pass the torch over to Tommy because this is his show. Is there anything you want to specifically talk about today? And then obviously, you know, we can let Limbell introduce himself. So, you know, what, what I was hoping to kind of go after today is a little bit of a continuation. Um, like we did the last episode, you know, really the free flowing conversation seemed to be, um, received very well by the people who are watching the show. And we got really good feedback from, from the last time when Rico was with us. And uh, I wanted to kind of continue that conversation. You know, we actually, we actually um, had a lot of good talks last night um, when we mentioned in the last Man Down Men's Mental Health series that we were, that I was looking to try to get, you know, the men together, do, do what we were going to call a King's Weekend. Um, you know, we weren't able to put it together full flight with COVID and a lot of the restrictions and people are just busy. But um, a, a few of us were able to get out yesterday and spend the day together for some time. Uh, Mr. Limbell, Lewis as one of them. And we, we had a lot of good discussions, a lot of good therapy. It was really good to be around each other, you know, building and stacking on that community we already have. Um, so, you know, it's kind of the light I was hoping to go with today's talk, but really what I want to do, the biggest thing I want to do is I want to get Lindell into the fold. You know, one of the goals of this is to, is to get different perspectives and understand different, different people. And, you know, for this series, different men from different backgrounds and some of the stuff they go through and who they are what they've come through and, you know, anything else you might want to share. So I'm going to pass the torch, Bell, and let you kind of introduce yourself and, uh, you know, tell us, tell us about, about you. Tell us about your experience with, 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 with your mental health and, and just kind of being a man in today's society and then kind of go wherever you want to go and we'll just have a conversation. All right. Uh, well, my name is Lynn Bell Lewis III. Uh, I grew up in Brook Park, Ohio. I have three older sisters. I'm the, the youngest of four. Um, we, uh, I don't know, we kind of had like a, a, from the outside looking in, we had like a Brady Bunch family. So that's, that's one way just to describe that. Um, I'm currently a high rise window cleaner. Um, I've done some foundry work and some other stuff, but I hate being inside. So I like being kind of wild. So I, I, I dig that a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's going on uh, just over a decade of jumping off everything downtown and a little bit in St. Louis as well. Um, I have two sons. <laughs> One's 
my size, and he's about to be 13, and the other one's two and a half. I call him a gremlin. He's, he's more like a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> he'll kick you in the shin, and then he'll he'll bring you some candy or something. So <laughs> you, know, you can't help but kiss his little head and swear under your breath. But <laughs> uh, I have a fiance as well. She's uh, very patient with me, so I, I appreciate her. Um, let's see. Besides football, I play softball. That's it. A little, little bit of bowling here and there, and I throw some darts every now and then. Just try to try to do whatever, whatever is fun or whatever is competitive. Yeah, just try to have fun as much as possible. Is the window yeah, so any connected any connection to Rico? I was like, listen, the odds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we we worked with uh, a few different companies together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you were like, I like to be outside, and I'm like, I do too, but I'm not. I'm not all good for you. No, but I, I had to ask. I was like, is that a you know knowing one another? I was literally just gonna pop in and say, Kelsey. <laughs> by the way, like that's <laughs> and the Spider Man stuff. Like they did yeah. that together. So yeah. well, you did that in St. Louis too, didn't you? Yes, in uh, in St. Louis at at the Children's Hospital there, we dressed up like Spider Man. And uh, we also do all the superheroes at Akron's Children's Hospital. So yeah. it's, it's been fun. I love that. <laughs> the adults have more fun than the kids, I swear. <laughs> hey, we are all about honoring your inner child. So right. I'm here for it. You know, yeah. this small little... Small little story about that that Spider-Man costume. I remember there was a couple individuals who was at a Halloween party and they decided to wear that costume to the Halloween party. And there was three of them. And th when I walked in the door, they made me figure out which one was which without seeing them because they're all, you know, about the same height and all the same costume on. The only <laughs> one I was able to pick out was Nephew because his dreads were hanging out. But yeah. Well that <laughs> uh, was great <laughs> yeah and i don't i didn't really know all you guys back then but i remember walking into the same halloween party and i was like there's three spider-men here that's interesting <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, yeah. i had a bunch of costumes so <laughs> we decided to uh try to psych some people out <laughs> Lim Bell, can you tell us what it was like to grow up with uh being the the youngest and the only male sibling with three older sisters. All right, so everyone, everyone's like, "Oh, you must get spoiled." Nah, it, it, it wasn't <laughs> that way at all. Um, there's a there's a big age gap between pretty much uh, me and my oldest sister. We're twelve years apart or thirteen years apart, and then the one below her is let's see at least it's like 50 51 sandia is 48 49 and then shannon she's 39 i believe and i'll be 38 this year so there's a little bit of gap in there you know a decade and then some um it was uh kind of break something blame it on him <laughs> that's kind of that was my <laughs> that that was the older sisters when they break something i was always a scapegoat uh the sister that's closest to me shannon she was like a brother to me she played football she played baseball like she didn't want to play softball but she had to 
but she like she played everything. So she was the closest thing I had to a brother. She's in the army now, and she actually is about to retire. She's a she's an animal. I love her, and uh, I mean I, I watched her just beat people up on the football field, and no one knew she was a girl until she took her helmet off. <laughs> so it, it was always a good feeling. Like yeah, my sister is bad, and uh, I used to make my friends race her before they raced me. And like if you think you can, if you can, if you can't beat Shannon, <laughs> then you can't beat me. So it was a, uh, it was fun growing up with Shannon. Um, I can't, I can't really. Uh, there's, there was really nothing bad about it, really. Um, my sisters were, they were all really nice to me, and I was nice to them for the most part. I think <laughs> as nice as I could be when they weren't messing with me. Or, mm. There was a few times when uh, I did break some of my sister's stuff because they got me in trouble. Like I climbed up on a dresser. I dumped out their perfume. I was walking around smelling like uh, white diamonds. I remember the name of it. <laughs> oh. and, uh, <laughs> I, I ate my sister's lipstick, too. <laughs> it, was so it was right after Valentine's I Day. Know. He definitely remembers that because like, you would not know that if you didn't remember it. <laughs> oh. I walked around. I walked around smelling like white diamonds for weeks. <laughs> we still talk about. It. We we still talk about that to this day. It, they were they were really upset with me, but they kept on breaking stuff. I, I, I stuff. <laughs> Do you think that being in a house with that many females had any like differing? Sorry, I'm having a hard time wording right now. Like any impact on your like emotional development or any and and specifically with mental health? Like, do you feel like that if there were more men in the house, it might have been different? Or and I'm just I'm not I'm just guessing. I'm just throwing things out there. Like, do you feel like that impacted you differently? Oh, I definitely do. I I know, you know I I grew up with a couple families that had three or four boys or five boys, and. uh just the the black eyes and the the, the broken noses and, and the crazy stories you hear about fighting and stuff. Like we we didn't fight because it just wasn't allowed. So we like yell at each other and then that was it. Uh, it it made me a gentleman to a certain extent. Um, you know, opening doors, going get a car when it's raining, stuff like that. But uh, it also made me. It, it made me view women in the way that like I, I, I see and I hear my sisters talking, so I know like everything that they say is like, oh, is that how all women think? So it was, it was kind of like, uh, like maybe I should listen to some of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> they might be they might be dropping some knowledge unintentionally. <laughs> like I got exposure early on to you know those types of interactions and and what those relationships look like yeah it was uh it was definitely a, a learning a good learning phase early on in life that's for sure um but my sister being a being a younger you know being a brother but being the only brother and the youngest um do you still you know, how, how were you raised? I'm curious, like your, your mom and your dad, like, you know, did you still end up adapting a bit of a protective nature being the youngest or was that different because you were the youngest? No, I, I'm still the protector, even even to this day, 
like, uh, if, if there's ever a problem, if they ever need anything, I'll get a phone call from Lisa or Sandy, the oldest ones. Shannon, she's good. She's, you know, Uncle Sam takes care of her. So <laughs> she never really calls. She, she calls a checkup on me more than anything. <laughs> But uh, yeah, if, if the other two, they, if they ever need help or anything, I'm, I try to be there on the spot. It's uh, it's kind of always been like that. It's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's almost like the the serve and protect part of the of the of the law enforcement. You know what I mean? Just you always got to look out for anyone that needs help. And, and that that and now that that goes for everybody now though. And mm-hmm. I learned that at, at a young age is just. If if you need help, then I'll help you. It doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter if you can like reciprocate. It doesn't that none of that matters? Just if you need it, then I got you. And if I can't, then I'll try to figure out a way to help you out at least. And yeah, that was that's definitely from my dad though. He uh, <laughs> talking about him is is funny because now we're we're really good friends. At first, we weren't like well. He may see it differently, but it was now that I'm old, like I can see that he worked, you know, extremely hard to so you know support all four of us and well, five of us, including my mom. So, uh, you know, I I look at it differently now. Um, I find myself working side jobs, extra work, trying to do a little bit here, a little bit there, just to take care of everything, and. Uh, it's 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 definitely something that that was instilled. I don't I don't know if um, I don't want to say subliminally, you know, or subliminally, but uh, just watching him work all the time and helping him around out like around out outside and fixing cars, working on the house, just doing everything, and that's what I do now. It's, I just I'm constantly just trying to check up on people and trying to help people as much as possible and yeah i definitely got that from uh from my dad and, and my sister shannon because she's 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 a tough she's a tough girl the other two are tough too don't get me wrong but <laughs> yeah, be careful man it's going out on the internet everybody gonna see it <laughs> <laughs> you said that you see like the relationship different now and you understand now because you're mm-hmm. older but when you were younger, what was it just like he wasn't as like physically and emotionally present because he was always taking care of all those other things, maybe? And so that was hard or I don't want to assume, but right. no, no, that's that's that is what it was. I mean, he was he was working. He had two jobs. He was a fireman, uh, you know, he was a paramedic as well. He was a lieutenant of fire inspection. He was working at the IX center. And, uh, you know, he, he was a busy man. <clears throat> he always came, he'd come to my football games and he'd record them and just like kind of hand me the tape. Like never really talked about anything. Never really talked much until the later years. Uh, you know, it's, it was, it was kind of tough and I was angry for a while, but it was probably when uh, my oldest son was born then we started to really get along, started to hang out more, started to do a lot more together like we used to. And uh, ever since then, it's just, he's, he's like my right-hand man. I, I try to keep in touch with him all the time. He travels a lot, so I'm always worried about him and I'm always trying to take care of stuff. And 
just try to make his life a little easier. He's retired now, so he's having fun, but I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to chase him around and, and make sure he's all right and everything. So, yeah, the, uh, every, everything changed, though. Um, probably when I was 25, so about 13, 13 years ago. It was, uh, everything changed for the better, we'll say. I wouldn't say we weren't friends, but we we didn't really talk too much. We didn't say um, we had a lot in common, but we just really didn't. We didn't really just sit there and just bond together. Really, I don't I don't really know why. Um, and then once I started playing sports and having my friends and stuff, I was always on the go. So I can't exactly just be like, oh, it's all his fault. So you know, it was a. Uh, it was just a, a, a weird time. But my mom, she was always there. She was always made food for everybody. Even if you bring friends home, she was like, oh, yeah, I got extra food. Don't worry. She make, she'd always make enough to feed an army. Always. So going, you know, all the stuff with you being the youngest and, you know, kind of the playing the protector role and stuff, how do you, how are you handling taking care of yourself, man? What's your, what's your, what's your mechanisms? Like, but, you know, how do you make sure you keep yourself tight and keep yourself, um, you know, strong mentally? Cause you know, I know we have conversations, so I'm not going to just dive into stuff we've talked about on the side. I'll let you go ahead and open whatever doors you want, but you know, I think it's important that's, you know, to share your, your side of that. How do you take care of you? Um, <laughs> That's a that's an interesting that's an interesting question there, Gunner. Because the half of the time I I don't take care of myself the way I should. I'm you know it's just running on empty. Um, I remember watching <clears throat> I remember watching Amanda with the with the two the two cups last time, saying make sure you got yours filled up all the way, and then then you can worry about that other cup. Nah, but but uh. <laughs> My cup usually has a couple drops in it because I'm usually <laughs> <laughs> like trying to trying to like reach in there with the finger, get a drop, and spread it around so I can, you know, just uh, try to help it. I'm it just it drives me crazy. Like the anxiety is just insane. Just I'm just wanting to help as much as possible, and you just run, just run yourself, just ragged. Um, it's uh, it's. It's tough. I don't. <laughs> I think just. I think just the gratitude is what motivates me. It's just the only thing that. Cause there's no reason to really go out of your way and help people, but you know, you do it because you're supposed to. So I don't know. You just. <laughs> you just keep on going, man. It's like my that. Mom, oh. <laughs> that's how my mom. Was. She. She always. She's like, oh. You know, someone on our block would need help, so I go help them. And I come back, and she's like, "Oh, you want you want to go on the other side of the block and help this person?" I'm like, yeah, I'll go over there. So, and uh, <laughs> something like that. And, yeah, she's uh when when she passed, it was it was rough, man. And then you talk about taking care of yourself. I I was I was in a bad place then. I mean, I was drinking heavily every day, and then just it wasn't helping. It wasn't getting any better. You know, it's it's hard losing a parent, but you know you got to keep on going. You just can't let your life shut down. But yeah, it's a 
It's still a, I still, I still fight with it every day though. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I appreciate that. Do you mind? She passed in September of 2019. Yeah, she uh, she was battling cancer for a while. Um, she did good for for years, and then uh, it, I don't know. It just uh, it was kind of all of a sudden, you know. But we can't say we weren't expecting it, but we just weren't expecting it like that, you know. I heard you mention um, anxiety. Um, anxiety um, that that um, anxiety can be unbearable sometimes. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, it's uh, you know, it's 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 beyond like picking at your fingers or you know pulling your hair or doing doing anything like that. It's like I only want to look at the phone because I I already know that there's messages I have to check and there's something someone needs help or there's something that I have to do or something like that. It's like your heart races. You just you kind of just want to sit there and, and stare at the wall, just just not even be bothered, you know. And and it sucks because you know the whole time I feel selfish and it's like, man, I should go do this. I should go do this. I should go do this. But I'm tired. But they need help, or they, someone wants me to go do something. It's like oh, I don't want to, but fine, I'll do it. And it's like, it's just, it's like that with everything though, with, uh, like with, with sports and, you know, family and friends and stuff like that. It's just, it's like overwhelming sometimes. Um, you always want to, you never want to say no, you know, you never want to be like, nah, I'm not going to come over. Or I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. But saying yes all the time, that's. That's that's the that's what gets you in trouble. And Feels unnatural to say no, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. And then when you say no, then people are like, "What? What do you mean?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I don't. I'm not going. I'm not coming this time. Like it's just it's tough. Um, really. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a delay. I didn't want to cut you off, brother. Oh no, you're fine. Um, I'm gonna say really the the anxiety started when uh when my son moved from up here. Well, he was born down kind of by Columbus, and then uh, they just stayed there. So I've been driving back and forth for 12 years, and even when I was in St. Louis, I drove back and forth every weekend. I picked him up from daycare every single Friday, and I drove 66,000 miles in a year, driving back and forth, picking him up, coming up here to see my parents, taking him back down by Columbus, and then going back to St. Louis. And I did that all throughout 2013, and uh, I actually ended up in the hospital with a blood clot, just from all that driving and stuff. I wasn't I was literally just jumping out of the car, getting gas, jumping back in the car, like not stretching. I wasn't drinking water or anything. I was just trying to get there. 
and then one have to go to the bathroom. So I just would just literally do all the payroll, do all the paperwork, mail it off, and then I'd be hauling it 560 miles to get up here. And then Sunday, I'd turn around and I'd drop him off on the way back down to St. Louis. I did that for a year straight. And after that, I just moved back. I couldn't do it anymore. And that was, uh, that was pretty much when I just, the anxiety started like a long time ago. And it's just, it's just been rough. But, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how, how to describe dealing with it, though. It's just knowing you have something to do and people to provide for. You just have to keep going. And that, I guess that's just the, the, the motivation right there. One of the constant things that you know has been a target of my focus for a while now is that understanding that that volume, right? That whole, like you said, uh, where you know you just don't want to do anything. You just want to sit and stare at the wall. You literally just want to sit and stare at the wall and not have that burden or that feeling of I, I gotta do X, Y, and Z. And there's just no easy way to shake it because when you sit at that wall. You think you're taking care of yourself, but at the same time, and I'm not trying to speak for you, I'm speaking for me here, but maybe you agree where you're spinning in your head that, hey, I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing something for someone or I'm not taking care of something. I, I can't just sit here, but all I want to do and all the universe around me is telling me to do is sit down with the society around me and, and you know, all the things that I feel as, as a man and as a protector and as a provider is I got to get up and go help. And then even when you feel that you're worst, even when you're the most miserable, you're going to put a smile on your face and you're going to go out and help that person that needs help every time, you know, it's, it's just what we do. And it's a trick. It's tricky. And there's, I don't know if there's an easy way to solve it, but it is, you know, the more and more we keep talking about this and ladies, obviously, thanks for the platform and, and being able to help push us in there. But the more and more we talk about this to, you know, people around us, um, guys from from man down from the football team, you know, people that we you know work with, the people that we know, it seems like everybody's having the same conversation. And it's it's really it's actually scary. It's scary that there's so many of us having this problem and this problem. So can I like ask you both kind of a question just like because I know it sounds like we're both kind of I'm based on last episode and this episode it's like that theme of I don't know what to do in order to feel like I am kind of refilling myself up um so I wanted to ask like if either one of you even if it's like small changes or the small things that you have found over like up until this point in your life that does help refill you even if it is just a, a little bit. You were me first, Bo. Go ahead, Gunner. So I think it's been it's been super enlightening, like to actually take the time to sit back and focus on the things that are our struggles and talking to, you know, my brothers and talking to my my fellow men and like going through and understanding that they're dealing with a lot of the same things. It's it's kind of a two way street. So definitely identifying that the cup needs to be filled, learning that more and more and more. Right. Like, yeah, it 
it's actually a problem that the cup's so empty. And, and I get it and I understand it now. But what's interesting with that is it's unlocking these other things that are like stacks to the problem of not being able to fill up the cup. Like, you know, the recognizing of, yeah, I need to sit in the room and stare at the wall. I know that. I see that now. And I, I understand that better than I ever have. But by understanding that, I haven't figured out how to, well, I'm a bad guy for not helping someone or I'm a bad guy for not getting up and doing something I'm supposed to do or, you know, I am dead to the world. I feel miserable. I want to go cry and sit and, and sit under some blankets somewhere and just 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 exist because I don't have any energy for anything else. Oh, X person needs this or 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 a family member needs this or my work needs this or somebody needs this. Okay, get up out of bed, put a smile on my face, and go do the thing. Um, and that's actually getting scary. Um, not in a bad way. It's just it's it's more things to discover, but. This men, this mental health as a man thing is, it seems to be unraveling more layers of an onion than I ever actually thought were there. And while there are good fixes, at least from my perspective, I'm learning how to do things and enjoy things a little bit differently. Like spending the time with my brothers yesterday and doing our little Kings weekend thing and just getting away and being with each other. Um, you know, we're, we talk more about this as a group. We're propping each other up more every day, you know, and I'm personally learning to absorb that as a real success. And something like that is actually helping me fill my cup because I feel like I'm not stuck. I'm not alone, even just for that little bit. So there's, there's pros and cons. I think we're just scratching the surface of the onion. It's starting to feel like it's a very, very deep and big onion, but confident we're going to get there. We're going to find a way to get all the way to the bottom of it, but that's my answer. Long winded, but that's my answer. <laughs> uh, honestly for me uh just playing with my kids and playing softball and football that's that's really it, it makes me happy to get out there and run around and stuff like that um and tommy you know as well as anybody else i i, I carry around a, a roll of duct tape with me because <laughs> <laughs> If something's hurting, I'm I'm gonna duct tape it just so I can keep on playing. And people think I'm joking. I just right to the skin, just whoosh, 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 yeah, wrap it up. Let's be fair. It doesn't matter if there's a perfectly good bandage or proper wrapping there. You're going right to the duct tape every time. <laughs> it, it, it's never let me down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's running running around in the outfield. Uh, making diving catches that that makes me like I I feel rejuvenated doing that or playing football you know just catching the pass from Tommy running down the field or you know running in there just getting a sack or something it's it's a great feeling and everybody's all hyped up and I don't even have to say anything it's just I just smile it's just great it's it's a good feeling and then I come home. My son, he's always the the little gremlin. He's like, "Oh, did you win?" It's like, "Yeah, you scored a touchdown." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's he's one of, he's a, a good cheerleader. <laughs> he's funny. And then uh, I, you know, I talked to I talked to the older one. Activity, like not just a a here connection, like with other people who you feel like get it but you don't have to talk about it all the time but you have the safe space to talk about it if you if you want to but then like I have to I'm always that therapist who brings up just that natural the natural feel-good things that happen for us when we are physically active 
So it sounds like it's like a combination effect from from those activities that you guys do together. I think there's another mm-hmm. layer there too with the like the sports. At least I know for me, like it's it's inner child stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's just. I was just gonna say because when you're out there playing, you're not thinking yeah. about all the I should have. There's not an ounce of adult of me on that field. I'm a five-year-old kid running around pretending I'm Peyton Manning. Like that's that's just how it works for me. Like you don't even think about being an adult or all the things you have to do. You're just in the game and you're running around, so you're getting that physical activity and you just you're being completely mindful of your situation just naturally. Like yeah, a lot of it. For those sports to function in that way, you have to like. It's it's like the definition of mindfulness, right? You have yeah. to be present in order, you know, for all of those things to be, you know, to be working with a team or to be yep. getting a read off of somebody. You know, I don't play football, but like, you know, I've done other sports and you are very mindful and that's where you're at in that moment in time, nowhere else. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, see, that's, that's the good part about it. But then as soon as the game's over, after that one hour of freedom, yeah. it's like, I gotta go do this. Gotta go do that. I gotta go here. Go here. Do this. Do that. But then it'll be seven or eight o'clock. No, I still gotta do this. And get home. Shower. I fall asleep eating sometimes. <laughs> it's just I don't even wake up to an alarm. I wake up before the alarm, and it's just time to go to work. Start the day back over again. It's over and over and over. It's like Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. Same song plays on the radio. I watch the news in the morning. I feel like I know everybody on Fox 8. <laughs> Scott's the table. He's one of my best friends. He tells me what the weather's going to be. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm going to look like Wayne when I get older. I'm going to wear little little suits and some glasses and stuff. <laughs> and uh, Limbo, can I ask um, what? Okay, so... Obviously, being a man in society talking about mental health is super stigmatized and we're, we're moving places, but, you know, that's still what it is. Can you tell me what it's like to be a black man trying to manage your mental health? Uh, I don't I don't even talk to anybody about anything. Like I, I literally don't. I mean, I talk to, you know, I talk to have conversations with Tommy and Enrico and, you know, some of my close friends, but. There's, there's a lot that needs to be said that'll probably never be said. Just pain and stuff like that. That, and just emotional stuff that, you know, the way I was raised, we just you don't know, you don't talk about none of that stuff. So, just kind of drink it, take it, take it down with the with a sip of beer and uh, move on. That's how it's always been. So. But I'm not raising my sons that way, though. I'm definitely going to change that. We talk about everything. Me and um, my oldest son, his name is Lynn Bell. He's a fourth. But I call him Squirt because he's a giant. And uh, we we talk about everything. And I always want him to call me if he's in trouble and not worry about I'm going to yell at him. But just because I want him to call me when he needs my help and stuff like that. And, you know, I always ask him how he's how he's doing or, you know, why he does some of the things that he does. And I try to talk to him about that kind of stuff because I didn't really talk to anybody when I was growing up. It was just, you know, you you just deal with it and keep going. 
and uh, just don't let anyone see you cry. Basically, and, yeah, you just you just kind of swallow it. And it's, I mean, being black is uh, it's <laughs> it's it's interesting. It, it's funny to say that, but everywhere I go, uh, I'm either getting looked at by one race or another. Either I'm getting sized up by other black people or, or someone's looking at me like, well, why, like, you know, dress, why are you dressed like that? Or why do you walk like that? Why do you talk like that? I guess I'm supposed to have like a, a little different uh, vocabulary, but I was raised to speak like this, um, treat people with respect and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, that's a whole different other topic there, but it's, it's always been like that though. Um, you know, I got made fun of when I was younger, just like everybody else. It's, you know, it was just life and you dealt with it. And uh, I was really unpopular and stuff like that until I started playing football in, in high school, really. Uh, no one really talked or, I mean, we, we had friends and stuff like that. But once I picked the football up and was actually good at it, then everything changed. I started getting treated a little differently. And it carried over just into the work field that I that I'm in. Just being a, a high rise window cleaner, people see me, and even when I'm on my ropes and I'm rappelling down, they look up and they'll say, you know, whether it's a uh, someone white, black, or Hispanic, they're like, oh hell no, like, I never, I didn't, I didn't even think black guys did that. It's like, uh, it's a it's a job. I mean, I don't, I didn't know that. I don't know. It's just it's just strange, but. It's a, it's like a daily thing though, and there's, there's, there's just all, there's different kind of alleyways to go off for this. It's, it's everything's just, it's just different. It's really different. And I have, a, I have a, a lot of white friends and white family members, and when we go places together, you definitely, you, you can see the difference, and they see it, and you know, I've had some of them even apologize to me, like, man, that was. I'm sorry, that was that was rough. Like, why are you sorry? You didn't do anything. It's like that was that person over there. And, well, I just I didn't know that that people really actually did that. I know people say that you know racist stuff happens and stuff like that, but I just never experienced it. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a daily. It it happens. Yeah, <laughs> but even with that, you gotta. What are you gonna you gonna fight everybody? I don't. You can't do that. So. You just take some words and go on about your day. That's all you can do. Feels like an extra layer of, I mean, what that anxiety, like, and I'm not speaking, you know, for for you at all, but it hits me like hyper vigilance, like all the time. On top of that anxiety of, I don't know how to word what's in my brain. It's like an extra layer of what I have to be or like. And I'm always having to be aware of those things on top of, you know, all of these other things that you feel like are on your plate day to day, too. Oh, yeah. I feel no matter where I go, I'm constantly looking around like you, you always just you're always being watched no matter where you go. Um, like I said, uh, if I go to East Cleveland, I don't I don't look like I belong there because just of the way I dress. And the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I carry myself, 
you know, people size me up over there. But when I go to like Westlake, then I, I still get the same looks, but just from different people. They're like, well, what are you doing here? And it's just, it's just weird. It's like, I'm just coming here. Either I'm coming here to do my job or I'm coming here to get something to eat, you know, just like everybody else. It's like, a, I don't know. It's, it's weird to, to word it like this, but I just feel like a, like I'm from a, a foreign country. You know what I mean? And I was born in Euclid, you know, right here in Ohio. It's just, it's strange. It's, uh, it's always been a weird feeling like that, though. It's like, uh, always having always having your head on the swivel basically you're constantly on alert it's just it's exhausting like i talk about retiring and moving it's like going to alaska or something like that i just want to be just way away just out hunt the animals and just live with my family out there and yeah i've been saying it for years and it's like every year, I just I, I think about it more and more, just moving just away, just to get away from people and then just alleviate that that one little portion of stress out of my life. Yeah, I it's wonder a... if that's... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I wonder if that's, um, you know, first, um, but I got to ask, you know, and we've talked about this before, but what places in the world do you do you have places where you don't have to worry about that hypervigilance, that extra mode that needs to be in your mind because of, you know, the color of your skin or, you know, where you, where you come from? Like other places, other groups, other areas, other or types or moments in your life where you don't feel that? And what's that like? What's it like if you are able to let that guard down, you know? Really, the only time is when I'm with family and friends. That's that's when I can honestly just slump down a little bit and relax. Um, that's that's really the only time. Any other time, it's just it's like robot mode. You know, just stand up straight, looking around, just constantly, just just paying attention. Um, it's. And it, it it's not it's not the new it's it's always been like that and that's the I think that's the problem of it all is just years and years of just being on edge just because of society and just the way things are it's just you know you just get tired of it. Yeah, yeah it's like sense. sorry. Yeah, it's I'll it's like it. you know it's like. Not that I'm going to agree that this is okay, but it it's like one thing if you like committed a crime and people are aware of whatever the crime it is and it was a violent crime of some kind and now people use that lens to look at you and they're a little more alert or judgmental or whatever it is, but we were just born. And, and I hear you, like, it's like, I feel like I'm a puzzle piece that doesn't fit in any puzzle that I've tried to fit in like like where and like such identity and like self self-identity like how who am I like where do I even belong if no matter where I go someone doesn't like me or someone doesn't approve of me and I'm just I'm just here I'm a good guy and I just like follow the rules and I just want to hang out and in uh 
in high school, it was kind of like that. Um, I got along, I, well, tried to get along with all the different cliques that were out there. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be hacky sacking one minute and then rollerblading the next minute. I tried biking, that, that didn't work for me, neither did skateboarding. Honestly, neither did rollerblading. (laughs) 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 So it was, was, uh, you know, just trying to just just say what's up to different people and just learn about different people, you know, and doing all that and even doing it during college. You know, you, you just you learn so many different things. You become eclectic with all your music. You just listen to everything and. You know, you're trying different foods. You're wearing different clothes and stuff like that. You're going shopping in different stores just because your friends are and stuff. So stuff like that, it, it was it was really, I mean, I encouraged that so much just to, just to reach out and get to know someone or get to know a group of people that you normally wouldn't, normally wouldn't talk to. Just have a conversation with somebody. It's, uh. I mean, if you're just sitting there anyway, watching a baseball game, drinking a beer at the bar, or just just sitting there uh, waiting for your your wife or your girlfriend or something at the doctor's office, have a conversation with the person next to you. I mean, you might learn something and you might end up shaking hands and exchanging phone numbers and, you know, you might make a friend or something like that. Or you might make someone's day just listening to them, you know, just vent about some stuff. And uh, Tommy, Tommy will vouch for this is no matter where I go, there's always someone that wants to talk to me. And I don't know why I, I just don't get I don't know what about my face says, please come over here and talk to me. <laughs> I mean, you but, don't know why. You're great. <laughs> they, You're they a golden soul, like, bro. You're a golden soul. You have a very welcoming, welcoming uh, space. It's the chiclets. It's the chiclets. (laughs) (laughs) And that mentality of like, you know, like, but seeing one another for who we are and honoring that. Because like, you know, it's not like we don't see color. It's, It's not that. It's like, but seeing one another for who they are and acknowledging those things about one another. And so it's like. You're out here having that perspective and you're putting yourself out there and trying to learn all these things about other people and not, I can only imagine, definitely not always getting that in return. Correct. <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm doing my part and that's, and that's all I can do. And like you said, it's always been like this and that is absolutely the problem. Yeah, it's it's rough. And, uh, you know, it's, it's strange. Um, like I said, my son, he lives down by Columbus, Ohio, and uh, it's a it's a it's a nice area. It's a pretty wealthy area, and when I go down there, it's it's different. Like people are really welcoming; they're really nice and everything like that. And it's strange to come back to my own city and you know even see some of my neighbors and you know wave to them, and they're just kind of like mm, just grunt, or put their head down or something. It's like oh, all right, have a good day anyway. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I, I wasn't always a positive person like this. I used to be a really mean person. And my mom wanted me to be nicer. So I tried changing. And, you know, it's 
it's still a work in progress. I'm I still still growl every now and then, but you know, it's 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 helped out a lot in life, just just being a kinder person. Because being mean wasn't really getting me anywhere. It was just making enemies. So yeah, it was uh it's just always better. Just, you know, take five minutes out of your life. Have a little conversation with with the the security guard or someone or the dude that you're paying the toll to or something. Maybe maybe he's got something to say. You know, he got, maybe he's got something he wants to talk about or something on his mind. You never know. So, you know, just I'm, I don't know. I just I try to I just try just every day just a little bit. Just try to do a little something nice. You know, I know the that's my good deeds for the day. You know, but I, I try. I try to at least do one thing. Nice every day. It's beautiful that you have that perspective and you still want to do that despite your internal struggle and suffering. Like the Lumbell that I know that I've met is a beautiful person that is so welcoming and loving and kind. And I know you would do anything for anyone. And I appreciate you coming on here and sharing those struggles and that suffering because you are the epitome of we are not alone in this. We are all suffering and it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter how well I'm able to hold it together. It doesn't matter that I still go to work every day and take care of my family. You know, I, I, I feel awful inside or, you know, I have, I don't even know how I go on every day. And yet you're still like, have a conversation with someone and get to know them. And it's just, it's, it gives me hope and I hope it gives our listeners hope that like it's really okay to reach out and be a little vulnerable and go that extra mile to talk with someone because you never know you might talk with the cashier at Giant Eagle and find out that you know they've lost a parent too or you know whatever that level of connection be we're all having this human experience right together say that Amanda I was like oh we learn that other people that are different from us in whatever way are humans too Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's uh it's crazy that you know it's 2021 and it's still like I I still get me mugged just just for being black you know (laughs) I'm just just going to the store or someone, you know, they just, they drive by, they just mug you or, or even in the store, they're just staring at you or, you know, follow you around. It's like, I'm, I'm not here to, to steal anything or cause trouble. I just, you know, just want to get a bag of chips or something. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it, it, every day is, uh, there's something, something different every day. And the only the only time that nothing really happens is when I don't leave. Like if I'm just staying inside, then that'd be the one day that you know I, I know that I won't have to you know make that face back at someone else, you know, or or ball a fist up, or you know, even talk some junk back and forth with somebody. It's just it's just so it's just so unnecessary. Um, and and that's a that's another thing. I, I, a lot of the people that I've met, a lot of the older ones, it's just, uh, well, I've heard from a friend that, 
you know, black people this or black people that, or I had one black, one bad experience with a black person. That's why I just didn't like them. But you're one of the good ones. It's like, all right. <laughs> this is strange. Like, this this is it's just strange, you know. And like, you know how many other white with... people I've met, and they're just like terrible human beings, and I don't like them. I'm not like, oh hey, you guys are. The, you know, it's just so it's such a strange thing to say. Oh, uh, Lindell, I, I appreciate um, so much your vulnerability. We could obviously talk about this forever. I just want to be respectful right. of everyone's time. I, we always ask our listeners before we wrap up, like, is there anything you want to leave them with? Um, any mantras you live by or just anything else on these topics to kind of wrap up? Oh, I just live by always forward. Um, you you got to be going somewhere and why not go forward? Tommy, did you have any last minute? No, I just want to thank you, Bo. You're a golden soul, man. And I really mean that. And maybe maybe we'll get you back here and we can keep this conversation going because uh, I'm anticipating some pretty strong feedback, man. Appreciate you and thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. So um, our next man down men's mental health will be uh, May 30th and we are going to be having another man down football I'm going to say friend because words are hard for me today <laughs> another one of your brothers uh, Jason Bass is going to be on that episode so um, if you're looking for that next episode make sure you tune in then uh, next week we are going to be talking to Dara Hoffman Fox who is pretty well known um, on talking about increasing awareness and inclusivity for transgender and non-binary individuals. So that will be on May 2nd. Make sure you tune in for that. And as always, um, on today's episode, like, comment, subscribe so you don't miss out on the future episodes. If you have any feedback for us, Limbell, obviously we will get that back to um, him. And we will see you next time. Bye.